0: So we are uh, currently going through this series about who we are as a community, as the Alamo Heights community, the sanctuary, us, Riverside, Asbury, Pioneer, Common Worship, all of these different entities that make us up, what it is that is at the very core of who we are. Last week, Casey was here and she spoke about the power of the Holy Spirit, that we believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and real and works within us and gives us power and freedom uh, more so than we could ever have on our own. And this week, I want to go back and come forward to today. Because you're going to... A few months ago, I did this exact same scripture. Galatians 4, 4-7. Um, but I want to shine maybe a, a little different light on this. Because I want to talk about the fact that we are sons and daughters. Paul says in Galatians 4, When the right time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because you Gentiles have become his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts. Now you can call God your dear father. You are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, everything he has belongs to you. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In this scripture... In this passage from Paul, one of the things you need to know that comes before this, Paul talks about the law. In chapter 3 of Galatians, he's talking about the law. He's like, look, God made a a covenant, a promise with Abraham. And and, and this child is going to come and do these wonderful things. And that hasn't changed. 430-odd years later, Moses comes into the picture. When Moses comes into the picture, he gets these laws. And now, a lot of people, he's, he's like, look, the laws don't take place of the promise. No, no, no. The promise is something God said, look, this is going to happen, I promise. Done. But then he sets up this system of laws, and these systems of law that, that, that exist, Paul suggests, cause us to realize how much we need that promise. Because if you've ever gone through all of the laws... You're not going to keep them all. It just you can't. We're we're not that great. We're not that good. And so enter into this adoption. So what God does is He says He sends His Son born of a woman. And now because of His sacrifice, He calls you sons and daughters. Everything he has belongs to you. Everything he has belongs to you. What if you lived your life with that kind of knowledge? Everything God has belongs to you. I mean, I could go to Corbin and go, Hey, son, everything I have belongs to you. He'd be like, great. That's going to get me far down the road. Thanks, dad. But God says, hey, everything I have, it's yours. But now we're talking. Everything I have is yours. You think you'd be afraid? You think fear would be in your vocabulary? If you had that kind of access, that kind of, that kind of life that you just live knowing that I am a son. I'm a daughter of the Most High God. I'm in His family. <laughs> Everything I have is His. Everything he has is mine. Fear will be gone. Fear of the things of this world, fear of the things that bind us. Fear. Daryl talked about you know those those things that kind of hinder us from from seeing ourselves as sons and daughters, and those things that we need to bring forward and just let them go. Yeah, fear is this um, interesting thing. Let me tell you one of my finest moments as a parent. And by finest, finest, I mean, I mean worst, of course. About Corbin was like three or something. I can't remember how old he was exactly. But he was doing something that was um, inappropriate or, or just plain annoying to me, um, as he is apt to do. Um, and, and, I, and I just had had enough, and I, and I lost it, and I, and I just got all over him. And you could see him just recoil. And Jenna goes, He's going to be afraid of you. And I said, He should be afraid of me. Number one dad mug. You know. Father of fear. What a horrible thing to say for your child to hear. Hey, the guy who we've told you all along is going to love and protect you, be afraid of him. I love you. Bah! You know. That's a good kind of fear. That's so fun. But not knowing that I said it. I mean, that was just, in, and as soon as I said it, I knew. It's like, oh, I can't, I can't believe I just said that. I can't believe that I would put this on a three-year-old like for the rest of his life to know that in the back of his head I want him to be afraid of me. How how must that hinder him? Here's the thing is is when I began to think about that I was like, why would I even say that? Oh, because I was afraid of my dad. Because that was the relationship that I knew. I go back and I think about it and and the thing that I did not want to do was get my dad mad at me I, I just I, everything I did, I operated in such a way that i would that I would please him, not to make him proud because I loved him and because I knew that he loved me, but because i didn 't want him to be angry. My heart breaks for that. Not, not just for me, because now, I mean, now I'm 40 and I'm, I'm okay. I'm 40. Um, but, um, but my heart breaks that he would have that reaction to me. Now, my dad's a totally different guy these days. He, he's, he's completely changed. He is the most loving person I know. Cries at the drop of a hat. Tells, tells me he loves me all of the time. Something he never did when I was a kid. It's a totally different relationship. He and I are both so different. But I don't want Corbin to hear that when he's in his thirties. I want him to know it now. I think that's that's God's reaction to us is look, I'm a God and I'm pretty amazing and powerful, and I've done t- I created everything. You should be afraid of me. That's not how he operates, right? He's like, I, have, I created everything. It's yours. It's yours. Are you going to mess up? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're going to mess up. Is Corbin going to mess up again? So much so that it makes me really angry? Duh. You know? Yeah. Of course he is. But he needs to know that I love him regardless. Fear. Is not an option. Because he's my son. When we operate with the sense that God is our father and that everything he has is ours, fear is off the table. What are you afraid of? What is it that that you're afraid of? You know, Jack Frost in his book, um, Spiritual Slavery to Spiritual Sonship, says that... um, I think he said this, or maybe it was Daryl. They're both brilliant. Um, says that uh, the, the thing that you fear a lot of times is the thing you think you have control of. Right? It, it's like if you, if you feel like you really have control of your finances, a lot of times you, f- you fear losing control of that. If you, if you feel like you have this control over something, that is sometimes where that fear comes in. and i like that and i see some truth in there but but also i think that sometimes fear is where you don't have any control whatsoever see for me the thing i fear the most is what happens when i die on a couple of different levels one what does eternity really look like because i'm so add i cannot do one thing for 5 minutes and eternity cuz i know i'm going there i like I know where I'm going. You know, if I met a Baptist preacher on the corner tonight, I know what to tell him. I'm going to heaven if I die tonight, but why would you say that I'm going to die tonight? It's horrible. But then when I get to heaven, then I start getting a little, whoa, what does that even look like? And that's that weird kind of kooky fear that we have no answer for, and it's out of our control, and so I just try to rest in it. But here's one that I can't control a little bit. What happens to grace when I die? what happens to grace when Jenna and I die what happens when when we're gone have i done enough to prepare for her life beyond me am i placing it all on corbin that's not fair is god going to come through and answer my prayers and heal her so that i don't have to worry about it anymore that's fear But then if I think about it and if I step back and i wait, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Not only am I a son of God, she's a daughter of God. And he loves her more than I could ever even imagine. She's going to be okay. It still breaks my heart to think about it. Mainly because I can't imagine life without her. But fear doesn't enter into it. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to do what I can. But I'm going to trust that she's a daughter of God. And because of that, everything that he has is hers. So we come to new heights. New Heights has been around for 15 years. We've we've gone through some ups. We've gone through some downs. We've gone through some downs, it's been some more downs. We've had some other downs. And we you hit an up occasionally. But we find ourselves at this point in our life and our existence where we're trying to figure out who we are. The prodigal son is one of those stories that um, means so much to different people in different stages of life. For me, what that story has meant over the past many years is Scott Harris, the little brother who's gone off and squandered his dad's fortune and come back lovingly embraced into his arms. Right. Here comes Scott again from north, from the north, from Riverside. Let's kill the fatted calf. And Daryl and I, we stayed behind and have done everything that we've been asked all the time. Hey, Daryl Michael, go get the calf for Scott. Oh, great. Here comes Reverend Hare walking on water again. (laughs) Poor little us. And you know what I've come to realize is, one, it's really easy for me to fall into that older son mentality right there. But two, what I have to to remember and know is true is is that no matter what we've done here, And and really, it's been the last few years that we've had this mentality. I'm not going to lie to you. We've been horrible up until now. That as we do it just to glorify him and that's it. When Scott comes home, I'm going to run out to meet him. I'm so glad you're back, man. What's going on up there? I love you. You're my brother. Let us rejoice together. We're moving into this understanding that we are daughters and sons of this church on a different level than ever before. And what we're trying to do is figure out, okay, what does that mean? What does that mean to be a good son and a good daughter as New Heights now? What does it mean for this community? Many of you go back and forth to the sanctuary in here. Many of you just come solely here to New Heights and you would consider yourselves, look, I'm a New Heights person. If that's the case, I think we're going through this season as we, as we look at these pillars that make up our community. When we come to this son and daughter thing, and we have an understanding that we are loved beyond any comprehension, not just by God, but by the spiritual fathers and mothers of our church. They don't always understand us. A lot of times they think we're too loud. That Daryl has holes in his socks. He does this morning, by the way. Just notice it if he walks back up here. But they love us. And they want what's best for us. And so, without fear, we step into that reality and say, then what role do we play in the family business? What's our spot? How do we as good sons and daughters love you, our fathers and mothers? How do we push you up? How do we get underneath your mission and bring it in a way that only we can? Because let's be honest, there's only certain things that can happen on this campus and this community. For a long time, fear enter into this conversation Fear of change The fear of losing a parlor As a Sunday school class The fear of losing a classroom As a Sunday school class The fear of What does it mean that people are coming to church Dressed in a casual manner That was a fear Now there's a We're shifting in this room What does that mean? There's fear for me, too. What I've told David all along is, hey, if at ever any point in this journey you decide that I am not the guy to lead anymore, please tell me. What if we come to this conversation and they're like, hey, great job, but it's a new chapter, Crocker. (laughs) What? But as we enter into this conversation, we have to come with the understanding that we are loved completely. By God And by our fathers and mothers Fear doesn't have a place in this conversation In the months to come I'm going to have More about this conversation Not on a Sunday morning Maybe on a Sunday morning after services But I want to hear from you My brothers and sisters in this community Where do you feel like our role is? What is it? are we just a worship service on a Sunday morning that people have an option? Like you go to a big movie theater and you can go see a comedy or you can see a drama. We're totally the comedy, by the way. Or or are we a separate community? Are we sons and daughters of spiritual fathers and mothers down the hall, but we're separate? And we have a different job to do in this family business. I don't know. But as sons and daughters moving up in the world, it's time that we begin to ask those questions. But we don't let fear enter in. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you. We thank you that um, even though you knew and know who we are, you long for us to be your sons and daughters. You don't even long for it, God. You created us that way. You just long that we realize it. Help us, Lord, to understand our place in your family, in our family. Help us to understand as we move into this new reality of who we are as sons and daughters of the Most High God, that we begin to call you Father. Let us set fear aside. Fear the things of this world that try to tell us we're not worthy of that label, son or daughter. Help us to set aside the things of the world that try to distract us from entering into a deeper relationship with our dad. Help us to find the strength and the courage to step out and to be unashamed that we are your children. Each uniquely and beautifully made in our own way. That's the best thing about it, God. None of us are the same. That's how creative you are. But it takes us all to be the family. It takes us all to be the body of Christ. And so as we come this morning to your table. The table that Jesus sat around with his disciples. When he raised the bread, he broke it. Gave thanks and said, take this and eat all of you. This is my body which is given for you. After supper was over, he took the cup and he raised it to heaven and he blessed God. Said, this is the cup of the new covenant. My blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink this, do so in remembrance of me. And so we come in remembrance of you. We come in remembrance of these mighty acts of salvation. We come in remembrance that we aren't just participants in this. We're family members. That this isn't a table of uh, exclusivity. It's a table of openness where we all can come and receive the gift of life. We all can come and be reminded that we are sons and daughters. And ask if you're assisting with communion, if you'd come forward at this moment. You may want to get closer, please. Thank you. And if the rest of you would bow your heads and continue in prayer with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we come to this, your table, by the power of the Spirit, we ask that you would make this be for us the body and blood of Christ, and that as consuming it, we would be holy and living sacrifices sent into this world. We are redeemed by the blood of the cross. We are given life through the Spirit. And we go into this world to spread the love of Christ. God, we thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.